Welcome to The Everyday Heroine. This podcast is meant to inspire women's leadership to help encourage women to discover the truth about what they are capable of. Hey, it's Maria with another episode of The Everyday Heroine. Today, we have Sarah Merrifield as our guest on the show. Hey, Sarah. Hello. You have been invited to the show because you are an everyday heroine. I found you on Instagram when Jamila DeMille shouted you out. I was beginning my playbook for playing the game of life. So when I saw your liberated fitness playbook, I immediately became a fan. You are a certified personal trainer, nutritionist, and yoga instructor. And when you work with your clients, you tailor a unique plan for them to achieve their personal goals, getting their whole lifestyle on point. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Maria. Yeah, my pleasure. So what can you share with the audience about your journey to create liberated fitness? Yeah, so um, I guess it really all began probably when I was 14, when I first got into fitness. Um, but I got into it in a really unhealthy way and I actually developed orthorexia and, uh, compulsive exercising. So from the ages of like 14 to 20, all throughout high school and college, I suffered from these disorders and it was so normalized and it was so celebrated, um, due to diet culture that, you know, I thought what I was doing was healthy, um, It wasn't until later, you know, I realized that I was socially isolated, that fitness was taking over my life, that I realized I had to get on a different track. And so I decided to get certified in fitness and really discovered my niche of helping people through what I went through, because so many people are in the same place, um, just based off what mainstream fitness culture promotes to people. Um, that so many people have eating disorders and exercise disorders. And I really wanted to reach out to those people and use my experience to help them through it. Awesome. So forgive me, I've never heard of orthorexia. Can you help us understand what that is? Yeah. Orthorexia is an obsession with healthy eating. So it's, um, it's not as much about like the quantity of food, but the quality of food. Um, So everything has to be like, healthy and like has to be really nutritious and you might be really concerned with like organic and just like, but obsessed to the point where like all you think about is food and you're like constantly planning your next meal and it just consumes you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I was wondering where that balance is. Um, you know, cause a lot of people, like you say, society is so pressure on the healthy side so it's probably normal on some extent. What are any indicators that you would say is that to that compulsive side? Um, like indicators that you might have a problem or like how much time of your day? Um, I mean, fitness is really only supposed to be like 5% of your life. Like seriously, ah, that yeah. is an interesting stat. <laughs> That's, that's how I've gotten to be because, um, it's actually really overemphasized in the media, how much of our health is influenced by our personal behaviors. And a lot of it has to do with genetics. And a lot of it has to do with the social determinants of health, which are like where you live, if there's pollution, if there's green spaces, mental health is a really big aspect. 
yeah. um, you know, that your social environment. So we don't give as much attention to these things and we think it's all our diet and our exercise and it's not. So I try to emphasize more about like the social equity part of it. And the fact that a lot of people just can't be healthy because they're discriminated against, or they have a disability and they don't have access yeah. to fresh foods. And those are the, that's kind of more of the crisis that we're having. We don't have an epidemic of obesity. Like people say it's, there's nothing to indicate that people in larger bodies is anything of an epidemic. So we really have an epidemic of people not getting enough food. So that's really what I'm more oriented towards. This is so fascinating. I'm learning so much already. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, let's step into some of my usuals and um, hopefully I'm sure uh, it'll take us down a couple of different paths and we'll see where it goes. <laughs> so of course, um, oh, I say, of course, one of my defining characteristics of an everyday heroine is that you're a real human and not a fictional character. So obviously, since you're on the show with me, you're a real human. But the question is, do you have and who would it be is your favorite fictional superheroine? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, and maybe you don't have one. And maybe it's not a heroine. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask like a real life person. So I immediately thought Ooh, of Williams. I'll take it. That would be great. <laughs> Whatever comes to mind. Yeah. So Serena Williams is definitely an inspiration <sighs> to me. <laughs> and where did that come from? I did see a lot of tennis photos on your website. So yeah, I'm a tennis fan and, um, I, they're sorry, my rabbit. Um, I think they're, um, also vegan or at least they speak speak up for like, I know they did a campaign for like vegan milk. So I think that they, um, both of the sisters speak up for a lot of like social issues. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a big fan. Awesome. Uh, number two would be goes against the status quo to make the world a better place. You know, what would that mean for you? So I have always gone against the status quo. Um, I've always been an activist. Um, like I mentioned, I'm vegan and I have been for eight years now, maybe, um, all throughout high school and college, I was an activist for animal rights. Um, not as much since I've graduated college, but I'd love to get back into it, but I am very passionate about social justice. So once I got into the fitness space, I really wanted to discover how I can combine social justice with wellness and finding this niche of anti-diet body positive and weight neutral is really where I have found my home. And so I am, you know, actively working against the grain every single day of the modern fitness industry, the mainstream fitness industry, and, um, you know, working to dismantle the, the diet culture and fat phobia that harms people and oppresses people. Awesome. Tell me a little bit more on what uh, you would say is uh, body positive. Like, I love that term. And I'm sure a lot of different people have different perspectives. You know, how do you communicate that to people on what that is in your mind or how do you help them into that zone? Yeah. So body positive, it's actually been, um, really commercialized and like taken over by capitalism and, um, kind of dominated by, um, like, white women, like thinner white women, which is great. Like everyone should love their body, but the body positive movement was actually started by fat black women and queer people. 
So it's really supposed to be highlighting and celebrating the people that society deems as not beautiful um, due to their size or their disability or their gender identity. And so um, body positive for me, it is a social justice movement. It is about elevating anyone who has been told that their body isn't good enough or it's not beautiful or it's not useful due to capitalism. Like if you can't um, provide the same amount of labor as someone else. So things like that, um, I try to get away from like the commercialized kind of, you know, every brand has adopted body positive to sell products. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Because, you know, the same thing, you know, I can hear that term and I probably am hearing it in some lights that I didn't understand, you know, maybe the origin to that um, and other ways, obviously, that we can expand that that term to help us into other di- avenues like social justice and and I always yeah, love to yeah. know the, the history of things. Yeah. Always have to go back to the root, see, you know, who developed such things and see that nowadays it doesn't really reflect. Like if you Google body positive, it's mostly like thin white women that come up in the images. And it's shocking because that's not where it came from. Right. Right. Huh. Very interesting. <laughs> Number three, (laughs) answers her call to greatness with her skills and talents. What are they for you? Um, Ever since I was younger, I realized like my skills and talents are communicating. So I'm a writer, um, I'm a poet, and I've always like written essays and written blogs. And um, that's kind of how I started out. But then I became an activist and I traveled across the country for animal rights, communicating with hundreds of people a day. And now I am on Instagram. I mean, I have a modest following on Instagram, but I mean, I do get to communicate with people across the globe. So I think that I'm really good at communicating that when I really care about something, I'm very persuasive and I have the ability to connect with people. And, um, you know, I see the human in everyone and I just connect with that. And I try to persuade people to just care about others and to love themselves and, Um, so communicating, whether it's through written word or spoken word is really, um, I think my gift is like how I describe it. So that's how kind of my purpose is being enacted in this world. I'm so glad to hear that perspective. Cause when I first was reading the question, I was wondering if it was going to get into more the nutrition realm. (laughs) And I was hoping that like, whenever you announce yourself as an activist, you know, my first question was, what are the skills that make that a possible uh, title to claim? So communication probably. Yeah, for essential. sure. Awesome. I mean, you, you, yeah, you have to be able to get that message out there to reach anyone. And influence. Awesome. Cool. So number four is works towards self-mastery with it, which I deem as 10,000 hours in the same domain, 10,000 hours every day for 24 hours would take about a little over a year to accomplish. If you're doing that eight hours a day, five days a week, takes you about five years. And if you're doing it only one hour a day, uh, that would take you 30 years to accomplish. So what would be your self mastery? If you have one or which one you probably are multifaceted. Sounds like you dabble in a couple of different areas. Yeah. Um, well, first I'm bilingual in Spanish, so I've definitely probably spent well over 10,000 hours 
practicing that. Um, and then just like my understanding of wellness, I guess, since I really started when I was 14, um, I was very mature for my age. So I was reading all the fitness magazines and reader's digest and like whatever I could get my hands on when I was younger. And, um, I've just become more and more educated through the years and through all my certifications and, um, doesn't mean I'm done learning by any means. Like there's so many things I want to learn about still and, um, different groups of people that I would love to be able to reach out to, but, um, yeah, wellness that includes mental health, positive psychology, fitness, nutrition, I kind of like combine them all there. Awesome. Anything in particular that you're focusing on right now? Um, I've gotten really into like psychology in the past year, which is really helping me with my coaching program. Um, so I did a little course on positive psychology and I'm reading a book right now about the four tendencies, which is super interesting. So, um, just, you know, getting to understand my clients better and how I can help them. Awesome. Cool. Number five is has the freedom to explore your passion and purpose in a way that inspires women's leadership, what would you attribute to that in your life? Um, so what I thought of is that um, earlier this year, I gave up the idea of working for anyone else ever again. And I, you know, I vowed to have my own business and to just be my own boss. So this was a pretty big leap for me. And I invest in business coaches to teach me how to market my business. And it really paid off. Um, you know, I've always been one to take risks. I don't take the easy way in life. And even though it's really hard to be an entrepreneur and to like start from the bottom, it has been so fulfilling um, so far. And um, I knew like if I continued on the path that I was on being employed by other people, I was never going to be able to scale to the level of personal and financial freedom that I desire. So I really want to continue to travel the world and um, continue to, you know, be able to help others. And obviously you need financial resources to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's how I inspire women's leadership, um, is just like going after your dream. I know it sounds cheesy, but you gotta, well, there's not that many people who do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm teaching my dad right now. He has his own business and I, I learned this lesson. I told him you got to spend money to make money. You have to invest in your business and it will come back like fivefold or, you know, hopefully more. So that's something I've learned. Cool. Thank you. And six is must earn notable accomplishments and achievements. What does that mean for you? Um, so I have two bachelor's degrees in fashion merchandising and Spanish. I am certified in personal training, group training, nutrition, and 200 hours in yoga. I'm a published writer and poet. I speak Spanish fluently and studied in Costa Rica for 17 weeks. I've traveled all over the world. I have been honored and awarded for my activism. Um, I've been on several other podcasts. I'm building my dream business from scratch on my own. And I overcame an eating disorder and created my program, Liberated Fitness Playbook, to help others heal their relationship to food and exercise. And I think that's my biggest accomplishment, really. <laughs> I was going to ask. That's, I mean, it's a, that's a, a beautiful list, very, very <laughs> rich in accomplishments. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see then too, which one kind of stands out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mental health is like something I'm really passionate about. So, you know, overcoming 
all of the mental struggles that I had and getting to the place that I am of helping other people with their mental struggles is like, you know, it's everything that I dreamed of when I was younger. So, so I'm curious about your travel. I'm a big traveler myself. Most of the time, you know, in my lifetime, I probably traveled more with my career because it was part of the, the job. Um, you know, obviously be, when I do that, it definitely opens me up to the pleasures of travel as well. So, and I don't mind pleasuring, traveling for pleasure. You were in Costa Rica for 17 weeks. Was that more of a pleasure or business or how does your travel around the world take you in more personal or professional manners? Um, so that was for studying abroad in college. Um, and then I also traveled across the country when I was doing animal rights activism. So I was on like a tour bus traveling with bands and um, talking about the dairy industry. And I got to go to like 20 states or something like that um, on that trip. And and then I've also been to like Europe as well. So um, yeah, it's always like my passions take me there. Um, a lot of it was through college was able to like do the Appalachian trail in college and go to New York and do some volunteer trips. So definitely a lot of it was through college and I was like super lucky to have um, a scholarship and everything that allowed me to do that. Um, but now I, I'm learning French and Arabic right now, actually. So on my list is like an Arabic speaking country and then France, obviously. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so you started French and Arabic? Yes. I, I've, I've been learning for a while, but I actually decided to commit and like get notebooks and write stuff down finally. So <laughs> I'm learning pretty fast. I was gonna say, how challenging is either one of them? French is not so bad um, having the Spanish background. And then actually there's a little bit of overlap between Arabic and Spanish because the Muslims occupied Spain um, before the Europeans did. So they share a little bit, but as far as like the structure and the writing, it's like obviously totally different. Um, but I actually have, um, where I live in Michigan, it's like really heavily populated by Arab people. And I have a lot of, um, good friends that I can practice with their parents. So that is awesome. Yeah. So I'm pretty, pretty blessed with that. And just trying to practice as much as I can. Yeah. Cool. It's fun to hear about too. <laughs> Yeah. And seven is shows evidence of transformation. And that might be personal or not only your own personal transformation, but the transformation, obviously, that you help with your, your clients through your business. So what would you have to say about that one? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely working with clients on like the, their um, relationship to food and exercise and their body is helping me as well because I never really consider myself like hundred percent recovered. You know, it's always like, if I get in a stressful situation, I can always kind of go back to that headspace of like being obsessive over it. Um, and so working with clients on like giving them the tools to be able to like get through stressful situations and not go to those bad places has really helped me as well. And I'm just becoming better by working with them. So they, you know, they help, they help change me. I help change them. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Pretty reciprocating. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anything you're doing right now that you would call a peace practice? What do you do as a regular habit to create peace in your life? 
Um, I, I am Buddhist. So I, I used to do like a lot of seated meditation, um, but kind of am getting away from that and getting more towards just being in a meditative state more often. Because like, if you talk to monks, they'll be like, yeah, I meditate all day. I don't just sit and meditate for an hour. You know, it's always in that meditative state. And that's just essentially having like one pointedness, like, you know, concentrating on one thing at a time. And so I was always like a really bad multitasker and, you know, being all over the place. And so now that I, you know, am an entrepreneur and I have my own time and I really get to decide what to do with my life, I'm like, I want to like master things and get really good at things and not be all over the place. So I try to really have that like, you know, concentrated mind and um, just be in the full moment with everything. So awesome. Yes. <laughs> cool. Um, any, any suggestions or tips, tricks that or anything you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I guess in relation to like holistic wellness, um, going back to like what I was talking about in terms of, um, like the way people view health, I guess, as being like very skewed and like just very much about like your personal actions and, um, not so much about like society. Um, I would definitely say that you still have like the the power to like make positive changes with your health. Like if you have genetics that like predispose you to a certain condition, you can still, you know, make some good decisions that are going to um, do like preventative care. Um, and I would also say like for me um, in my program, the first step of the program is stabilizing your mental health. So I would, I always tell everyone that mental health is like the anchor to all health. Cause if you're not mentally healthy, how can you even focus on, you know, exercising or eating nutritious foods? And so, um, I would just tell everyone, like, get your mind right, whether you need to go to therapy or you need a counselor, or, you know, it's okay if you have to go on medication for a certain, you know, mental illness that you have, just like prioritize your mental health first, and then, you know, you'll be empowered to work on everything else. Awesome. So that is the first step for you. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Good deal. Cool. So, uh, certainly you shared some links with me and they will be in the show notes for sure. Um, but as we bring this episode to a close, is there anything else about how to get in contact, um, or anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Um, best way to reach me is, uh, email, uh, maryfitness at gmail.com or, Instagram at mary.fit and you can uh, schedule a call with me and we can talk about if you think you'd be a good fit for my program. If you're a chronic dieter or you're someone with disordered eating or exercising or just someone that needs to improve your relationship to food, fitness, or your body image. Um, I would love to talk with you and see if I can be of any help to you. Um, you know, worst thing is to just have a conversation and just leave the call as friends. So just, you know, anyone out there that sounds like this might be of interest to you, please book a call with me. I love to speak with you and get to know you and maybe we can end up working together. Awesome. Great. I will make sure, like I said, to keep, get all your information in the show notes so they can contact you very easily. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. It was awesome. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Everyday Heroine. It is my honor to be on this journey in life with you. Feel free to hit the follow button as we continue our adventures. Check the show notes for additional information on this episode. You can also go to mariacoffman.com. Make sure you are on the email list to get podcast updates. You will also be the first to get updates on our products and services and everything else we have going on at the Kaufman Institute. For those looking for career and life advancement now, find the links to get on a coaching consult with me so that you too can be living your dream life like an everyday heroine. Everyone matters and you deserve to live the life of your dreams. No need to wait or hesitate. Answer your call to greatness with one simple act of scheduling that call. For now, enjoy your adventures and journey responsibly. Cheers. MariaKaufman.com is M-A-R-I-A-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N.com. See you there.